Support for When Dating Hurts comes from Liquid IV. Hydration doesn't get enough attention. It's not just about people running around a tennis court or doing an hour of Zumba or body pump. Proper, functional hydration is an all-day, everyday thing. And to help us stay hydrated, Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration multiplier. Sure, you can use Liquid IV before, during, and after playing pickleball, but you can also use it when you're starting to lose concentration in Zoom meetings or even after a night out with friends. One convenient stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can hydrate you back to life two times faster than water alone, and you'll be getting essential vitamins plus three times as many electrolytes as leading sports drinks. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. My favorite flavor is Golden Cherry. It's one of 12 great-tasting flavors that make hydration pretty exciting. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WHENDATINGHURTS, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WHENDATINGHURTS at liquidiv.com. I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. In this three-part story, We hear from Sarah, who lives in Melbourne, Australia. No matter where a person calls home, dating and domestic violence can exist, as you will see in this narrative. Here is the first of three parts with Sarah, who will tell us her dating abuse story with a man who constantly took full advantage of her. One of the things which will become obvious right away is that she's not from around here. She's not living in the United States. She was not born in the United States, and she's currently living in Australia. So I'm so glad that you are offering your time and will tell us your story. So for me, it would be good evening. For you, it's good morning, Sarah. Yep, good morning. Yeah, hi, Bill. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. I appreciate it. Um, Very sorry for your loss of your daughter. Thank you for mentioning Kristen. I do appreciate that. Sarah, I thought it made some sense if you want to just kind of give us a little snapshot of life before this fellow, Chris, who you're going to tell us about and your relationship with him. But just preceding that, what was going on? Sure. Yeah. So I was working full time and I had a young son. I had split up with my son's dad and that relationship had kind of tailed out into more of a kind of friendship. And so I was kind of enjoying life being, I guess, a single part-time mum. We actually kind of shared looking after our our child, living very close together. And so I was kind of in a good headspace, I guess, and just day-to-day having quite a nice life. And then I kind of got into meeting people a bit more, going out and socialising a little bit more. I met Chris through a group on Facebook, okay? So it wasn't 
an actual date. I was in what was a group that was for just kind of adult humour, so jokes and things like that. Yeah, and I made a comment. I actually just put a comment underneath something that I'd found humorous, and he responded to that comment. And so I didn't know at the time, but he was actually living local to me, and and that kind of was where it, it stemmed from. He messaged me. I live in Victoria in Australia, which is I'm actually about an hour out of Melbourne. So we arranged to meet. We kind of chatted a bit first just online and then because he was local to me we agreed to meet up and had a a drink and a chat and then agreed to meet again another time and so yeah looking back at that and and what I would now consider to be the red flags one he was he was living back with his parents at the time okay So he was a fair bit younger than me. He was about 12 years younger than me. Yeah. So there was a significant age. How old were you or he? How old were you? This all started about six and a half years ago now. I'm coming up 55 in September this year. So yeah, I'm an older person in this experience. And I think that goes to show that it is anyone. Anyone, this can happen to anyone, you know? And you hadn't had anything like domestic violence before that? Never. No, I had never had any police intervention like about anything. I'd actually worked for the police back oh. in the UK for a while, for a few years in an administrative role. So um, I had some experience of seeing things from that side. Okay. And in other life kind of respects I actually have a couple of qualifications as well which seem kind of quite hysterical now when you think about it but um, a degree in psychology and then a master's in forensic mental health and so the big point I think I want to make about that is if you feel that you are studying something that is going to give you some heads up around these people trust me it won't it will not What you study and what you experience in real life are two very, very different things because you don't have feelings attached to what you're studying, all right? It's a completely different atmosphere and experience. So, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that has had qualifications within that area. But the big thing that I look back at and notice from him, when we met, I had a very high instant attraction to him physically. I was kind of, he was a younger guy. I guess I was flattered to some degree, but he was very quiet and he was very nervous. And I think now that that showed that he was quite awkward in social situations generally, didn't have much um, understanding of interpersonal skills and you know, how to navigate just general conversation very easily. I now also see that he was probably just soaking up everything that he could about me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he was really just taking it all in. He'd use it later, you think? Yeah, not just about me in in terms of how I was as a person, but, you know, about my situation, you know, my family kind of dynamic, etc. So that's how we met. Yeah, we had a couple of drinks couple of meetups and it went from there okay yeah how long a period of time would you say the relationship felt neutral to positive versus it started to creep its way into things that were bothersome how long do you think you had it good 
Yeah, and I will just mention this, all right, because I think it's important um, for other people. Um, my my recall of particular times and events and dates and numbers is not great, okay? Okay. But I would say around that, the first six months were pretty okay, as in there wasn't drama, okay? So, yeah, he was he was just different. He was so different to anyone that I'd ever met before portrayed himself as the exact opposite of what he really was, okay? Okay. So where he'd gone from the the kind of quiet and fairly kind of appeared gentle, like I got to learn bit by bit more and more that really that wasn't quite how it was and that then it, it weirdly didn't put me off, okay, because... The big thing that he kept saying to me was that he wanted to make his life better. He wanted to improve his life. He wanted to get away from all the things that had happened previously in his life. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, I'd shared that I had these qualifications. And so I guess for him, and, and I'm an empath, I guess for him, I was almost the perfect kind of storm coming his way, you know. Single, older, some qualifications in things that were maybe relevant in his life. He had very, very high levels of anxiety. And yeah, you're a safety net. Yeah. The next big red flag, which I didn't see it at the time, but I it does seem to be a theme in people's stories, was the fact that he was just communicating, communicating like message, message, message. It just went on and on and on. That's pretty classic classic absolutely yeah um but i again i took that as being like wow this guy is really into me he's into me so much he can't leave me alone you know and i distinctly remember going away for a weekend and i felt like i'd never had anyone treat me so intensely and it didn't seem negative at the time in reflection now i was like oh my god you know he was just trying to get those hooks in deeper. Yes. That was another thing that looking back, I would say, yeah, be really aware of that, really aware of not keeping some distance between you and this new person in your life. He didn't actually kind of make me feel that, you know, there was no overwhelming with presence. There was no kind of like describing me as just the best thing ever or anything like that. But he was just He kind of wanted to fit what I needed, if you know what I mean. He wanted to be there to help a bit with the lawns to start with, you know. I don't know, like just help out in bits that really were quite minuscule overall. But, yeah, what was ever going on at the time? It was a bit of a token gesture usually, though. Some people call that mirroring. Have you heard that term, mirroring? Sure have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's just say for a minute, you love to play tennis. He didn't play. All of a sudden, he's playing tennis. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's trying to catch up with you. And again, in a relationship, you could look at that as, wow, you know, this guy's willing to stop what he's doing. He doesn't really play sports, but at least he's trying. He wants to be with me. Yeah. So some of these things are hard. They're very hard to read. Support for When Dating Hurts comes from Liquid IV Sugar-Free. What do I like most about Liquid IV? Maybe it's how they make everyday hydration easier than ever. One convenient stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Or maybe it's the new sugar-free flavors, like 
white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. Or it could be Liquid IV has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV, sugar-free, has no artificial sweeteners and zero sugar, so you get a nice sweet taste without the calories or raised glucose levels from sugar. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is a non-GMO electrolyte drink mix that utilizes the science of cellular transport technology to deliver water and key nutrients into your body faster and more efficiently than water alone. That way, whether you're playing a sport, doing Zumba, or you're just making your way through another day at work or at home, you stay hydrated more efficiently. And here's a nice offer. Get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free or any variant at liquidiv.com and use this code when dating hurts at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code when dating hurts at liquidiv.com. The big thing that was what really helped him to make a good inroad into my life was the fact that I was so attracted to this guy, okay? So for um, me, what that looked like was that I there was a high level of sexual attraction. And so I later found out that for him, sex was kind of almost his specialist subject, you know? Obviously, at the time, as I was first kind of getting into this situation, I didn't know that he kind of almost had an addiction to, to sex, you know, and needing to have women come in and out of his life but that did develop but yeah so for me that was kind of something that I'd never experienced before it was it was just different again and so for me down the track that was very difficult to say goodbye to to actually yeah it was it was a hook for me that he'd got into me that I just felt I couldn't I couldn't give up for some time sadly yeah I can understand that Yeah, the next thing from him was that I've met his parents very early on, okay? So I would say it was only about two weeks into the knowing him that he invited me round to meet them and have a meal with them. I was blown away. I was like, who does that? Who actually invites you within that short space of time to meet their family? I was a bit unnerved by it. Like I kind of thought this is weird, you know? But I thought, okay, I'll just go along with it and just, you know, yeah, I can meet them, no problem. That gave me some insight. There was a bit more information given to me about his life that he hadn't shared so much, about some contact with the police that he'd had, difficulty, yeah, difficulty with losing his licence. He is a very, or he was, a very big weed smoker. So he smoked a lot of marijuana. And that was the way that he dealt with anxiety, okay? Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he'd lost his licence multiple times because of that. And so, yeah, I got some more in- information from his mum mainly around that, as well as the fact that there was other dysfunction that was kind of creeping into my knowledge. The reason he was living there, I think at that time he'd split with the partner, the uh, ex-wife, who he actually has a couple of children with, and so he needed somewhere to stay, okay? And so 
you know, I'm on this kind of, I don't want to call it a mission, but I thought I was hopeful to help this guy improve his life. Help him grow up a little bit. Exactly. You know, and start to maybe take some responsibility and maybe deal with some issues that were continually occurring for him. Yes. I kind of thought, I thought that I could help. I really did. I was... I was totally deluded. I really didn't know what I was dealing with. And so he moved in. He moved in here. That was the next thing. He very quickly moved in with me, okay? So I knew that he needed somewhere to stay, and I knew that he was having pressure from his parents to move out. It was only ever temporary that he would stay with them. And down the track, I realised why. But at the time, no. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe as a temporary type situation he was still mostly kind of quiet so he never had any money he just never had any money any money that he did get which was basically off of payments you know the we call it here job seeker I don't know what you call it there is it like unemployment you mean? unemployment yeah yeah and that what they do here it's like a temporary type income with a view to you needing to be applying for jobs to get you into the workforce. That's the idea. Yeah. You have to demonstrate you've been looking and interviewing or something, emailing or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, you know, well, this probably could be okay for a little while. And look, didn't really make any effort to apply for jobs. Would say that he would. It was was all this kind of false promises that, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's... I noticed the weed smoking increasing, any money going on that, you know, just straight away was blown. Much more reliance on me then to be buying, you know, all the food, fuel, anything that he needed, he was coming to me for. And so that kind of created a real pressure point. I actually then started to be, I I call it nagged. I'm not sure what you call it, but he was nagging me. He's nagging you. You should be nagging him. For money. Yeah. No, no. He was nagging me for money. Oh, so he was constantly nagging you for money. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Any money that I was spending on me that he considered to not be a necessity, he would then kind of use that as um, like ammunition to kind of have a go at me. So, for instance, just say I was going to do something like I maybe have a coffee with someone or have my toenails done, something, you know, that wasn't, you know, basic, then he would kind of use that as an excuse to have a, yeah, to have a go at me. What would a go look like in your case at that point? Yeah, just at that that stage, it wasn't too bad. It was more like... An argument, verbal? Why are you doing that? You know, you don't need to do that kind of thing. It was as if like I was being really frivolous, but I was the one working. It was my money. I was working full time, you know, and I was purely doing the things that I was used to doing. You know, it wasn't like I was having this huge splurge up and, you know, going on a big spent lavish spending spree. <laughs> These were kind of fairly minor things. That's when I kind of noticed that things were changing with him, all right, that the money seemed to be his first issue with me. From there, what then eventuated was that he explained to me that I talk too much. And look, I do kind of agree with him on some levels now, but 
But back then, <laughs> that was not appropriate, okay? You know, like I was just having normal conversation about subjects that you do in a relationship, but that was too much. He was basically trying to stop me from communicating with him. I'm sure a lot of it was what you were talking about. You were trying to slip in some complaints about you really don't have a job. Exactly. Your money's going into weed. You're not picking up around here, whatever those things are. So yeah. it isn't so much you're talking, is that you're saying things he doesn't want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And the next thing that followed on from that was that he said that he didn't like me looking at him. Okay. Oh, really? Don't look at me. It made him feel uncomfortable. It increased his anxiety. And so I had to kind of then kind of calm myself down as and, and like reduce me, not change my character, but I had to dim it right down, you know. And then I felt that I wasn't just being able to live, okay. Like it just seemed I suddenly was with someone who was trying to change me, manipulate me for them. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't realise this at the time. All of this is very much retrospective, okay? Support for When Danny Hurts comes from Sun and Swell. We all love snacks, but I just discovered Sun and Swell's organic, real ingredient snacks. These are the answer for health-conscious people looking for delicious, wholesome snack experiences. Elevate your snacking with great flavor, healthy products, and get this part. Sun and Swell has a real commitment to our planet. Here's how Sun and Swell has redefined snacking. Sun and Swell is the nation's first online grocery store that is offering plastic-free packaging. No one else is doing this. You could even send used packaging back using their compostable send-back program. It's the best of both worlds. It's delicious, 100% plant-based vegan products, 100% gluten-free, 100% real food, without added preservatives, and every product comes in earth-friendly compostable packaging. What's more, Sun & Swell is a woman-owned small business. It's also a B corporation, which underscores their social and environmental performance. If you're looking for a more planet-friendly pantry, shop Sun & Swell and get 20% off site-wide when you go to sunandswellfoods.com and use my code WHENDATINGHURTS, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off your entire order when you use When Dating Hurts at sunandswellfoods.com. Now, at this point of trying to dial you down and make you be quiet and don't look at me, are we where? Are we at six months? Where are we at this point? This is about the six-month stage. So this is where I kind of began to see things starting to change. Yeah. Okay. From there, I mean, I was, during this time, I was, my son was here at times. I kind of began to feel that it wasn't always going to be good for him to be here, okay? The tension would rise if he was maybe making noise, you know, children do. He was a teenager and a young teenager, I'd add. And so, you know, like it was just, it just started to become a problem for him. And I then, being an empath, tried to kind of keep the peace with everyone. And so I would be trying to kind of say to, to my son, Jack, I would be saying, Jack, please, can you try and be a bit quieter? So I was then trying to change his behaviour to pacify Chris because I felt that I didn't yes. want any kind of argument to, to start. Sure, reasonable. 
honestly, this, to start with, some of the things that he would do, and I'm talking about Chris now, is the kind of minor things that really wasn't an issue for me, as in slamming doors, you know, stomping around with the feet, like showing his unhappiness, but not in anything that was really out of this world. You know, it was just kind of day-to-day kind of, I didn't see it as too bad. Mm-hmm. But it really was the beginnings of, of where it was all going, you know. From there on in, all of those things just kept escalating. So I was trying to kind of minimise any time with my son to not increase anything happening with Chris, okay. And it just basically got worse and worse and worse on all levels. I would go out for a coffee with, with a girlfriend. He would He would show up. He would be pacing up and down outside the cafe, making sure that I'd seen him. He would turn up at my work. One time I was driving my car and he was driving his car. He did a U-turn and actually followed my car to wherever I was going at the time. Yeah, it just everything just seemed to gradually kind of get worse and worse. And when things got bad... It was when he was about to go to court. So he was having various things in court that were part of, you know, this previous life that he wanted to get better that was still cropping up, okay? Was this still related to marijuana? Yeah, mostly driving under the influence, speeding. I think he had something around erratic kind of driving. It was very much around that. Okay. And at the same time, and I will say this as well, because I think this is important for people with children, he was actually having supervised visits with his parents having access to his young children, and they were young, they were under 10. What that eventually looked like, because, and the reason why he was having visits via his parents was because there had been intervention orders. He hadn't been allowed alone with his children. So at times I would be invited with him to go over, you know, to see his children. And there were times when I was like, no, I don't want to spend time with your kids, you know. Like, I don't, that's not my thing. I want to spend time with my child, my son. But if I didn't, then he would get kind of, you know, angry. Sure. Pissed off with me. He would start swearing. He would, you know, you're only, you're selfish. You only think of yourself, you're selfish. You should want to come and spend time with me and my children. So it became to be more pressure. So off I'd go and I'd just sit there, you know, like try not to do anything to kind of upset anyone. But the other thing around that, and this is what I was trying to get to, is that his mum, his mum and dad would actually let him have the kids on his own with me and go off and do something. So they were enabling him to spend time one-on-one with his children, you know, if you take me out of the the factor, which wasn't allowed because there was an order. Now, again, that was a complex dynamic. Him and his family, his parents, I heard various stories from him. Some of it probably was true. Some of it might have been exaggerated. But his mum definitely knew exactly what he was like she knew how dangerous he could get as in physically he would knock things over smash things you know kick things when things weren't going his way what that looks like at my place one of the things he did here 
And I would say this would have been about a year down the track with him for me. He actually kicked my mailbox. I've got like a, it's a metal pole with a wooden mailbox on the top. He kicked the top part totally off of the metal pole. So that became separated, went flying down the street. Uh. He smashed the car wing mirror on my car as he went past it one time, which actually, it didn't just break the bracket, it broke the mirror as well. So that was just stuffed. He went by and hit it with his hand or hit it with another car? I think he hit it with his hand. It was parked in in the drive, yeah, yeah. And incidentally, talking about his parents, they would come here if there was problems and he was getting bad, like as in out of hand, you know, angry, I've got no weed, I can't sleep, I need money, and he'd he'd be Mm. nagging me and getting angrier and angrier. Yeah, I would actually message his mum and his mum and dad would come up here to kind of help with calming him down. And sometimes they'd take him away to his to their house. Incidentally, that was only 10 minutes up the road from here. There were various police attendances here to my house, okay? You called them in? No. Oh. I didn't call them. How'd they show up then? I think some of the neighbours probably called them. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I actually don't know. I did ask some neighbours down the track. They didn't call them. So I, I really don't know. But... In terms of the violence, so to me, it was becoming to be more physical, actually not directly hitting me. I will say that. He was quite clever about what he did and how he did it. And my belief now is that he knew how to play the system, okay? So there was never a punch to the face. No, no. What he did... So this is where I take responsibility for some of the things that I did because I didn't know what I was dealing with, what I was going through. Uh But one time, this is an example where I did something I shouldn't have done, okay? Uh He was outside. I have a large shed at the end of my backyard and he was out there smoking his weed and he would be out there playing music, you know, all the electricity on, all day, all night, you know, it was just like I never really knew what was going to happen from from one minute to the next, but he would go out there. And I just decided for some reason that this was not on, you know, and I turned the electricity off. Oh. So I actually went to the main main electric box and I flicked the switch and I went, no, fuck you, in my head, clearly I'm saying that. (laughs) You're not doing this to me anymore. I was clearly annoyed enough to go, not having it. And I flipped it off. Well, he comes storming into the house, and I mean storming. He went straight up, you know, it was like, what the fuck did you do that for? And I was like, no, I'm the one paying the bill here. You're not going to use all this stuff out there and leave it on all night. So let's just, you know. And so I, he flicked it on again. I flicked it off again. And that was when the hand came to my hand and wrist and bang, out the way, okay? Oh, oh. So, and it was, that was the first time that I really felt that he had crossed that line. Yes. There'd been kind of nudges and things that I hadn't thought were great, but I kind of let go because there was always a lot of stress going on, huge amount of stress mm-hmm. for all sorts of reasons, and it was always, always around him, everything. It just all became about him as it does with, yes. with these 
kind of people. Sure. You know, he didn't have the money, he didn't have the food, he didn't have the fuel, you know, whatever it was, always about him. That was one thing that I kind of went, wow, this is this is escalating and I now know that this is not good. You know, that was my first kind of realisation. But again, this guy, he's trying to improve his life. He wants his life to get better. At some point, there were sporadic work episodes. I remember he got a job with a, he was he was meant to be a bricklayer. Chris was, I say meant to be, because I never really actually saw him do much in that way. But that's what he'd done after school. So he got a job, I think it was with a concreting firm. And that lasted about maybe three weeks or something. And there was always a problem with somebody at the job. Uh, So he would say, I can't work for this particular guy because of some reason. All right. Yeah. And so that would then kind of stop. So there was very sporadic periods of work and then it would just all go pear-shaped again. There is one thing that I haven't mentioned through this, and I do need to, um, and that is that I was drinking a fair amount at this time, okay? Oh, okay. So where he was smoking weed, I was kind of drinking wine. So I might finish the day um, of work and then have a glass of wine as I was kind of starting to relax, maybe start thinking about doing some food. Then I'd have another glass of wine, another glass of wine, and that would easily be, I would say, most nights, three, maybe four glasses of wine, okay? Looking back, that probably was helping me to feel okay, deal with whatever dramas had been going on. I don't know, it just helped. Initially, I was enjoying myself. The first six months, things were okay. But as I say, I think that escalated and I became more reliant on having a wine, on having another wine. I'll give some other examples now of the physical things that were unfolding. One of the times when his parents came up because I felt he was getting out of control was he picked up a brick and he was going to throw this brick at me. And his mum and dad were both standing right there and everyone was shouting, whatever was going on, I can't remember the details, but something had clearly gone pretty bad. And so he's holding this brick in his hand and threatening to throw it at me for whatever reason I don't recall. Uh. Neither his mum or his dad stepped in to actually help me. Yes. He threw the brick, which did miss me, thankfully, but down the track, you know, police called out, etc. Nah, they knew nothing. They saw nothing. They, they would never, like, stand up for me. Okay, it was always I was the problem. Yes. I had caused this issue. It was my problem. Okay. I can see that. And that was even to the point of one day when the police were here, Chris's, his sister's husband, he was actually one of the local cops. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And so the police came out, not his brother in law, but the police came to the home. And look, the other things that got smashed, a television got smashed on the front porch. There was glass everywhere. He just threw this television, which was his, I admit. But really, the other thing he did was he had an old car that he had. um, It was towed here. I think it had come from his previous relationship's house and it was in the backyard. And one time when we were arguing, and I know I was arguing back that time, 
he smashed the window. So glass everywhere, his fist through the window. He got in the car, he was arguing, I was arguing, and he put his fist straight through, okay? But the time the police got called out, and I was just referring to his parents, the police separated me and Chris. I mean, we were already separated anyway, but they speak to you separately to try and ascertain and calm down what's going on. Yes. And so knowing that his brother-in-law is a cop, his parents, one of each of them, took a cop each and spoke to them and nothing ever eventuated from what had happened that time. It all just disappeared, okay? I'm not saying that there could have been, but I am saying that there was definitely some sort of conversation around, well, you know, I'm so-and-so's, I'm not sure what relationship that makes. But, but I'm related to this guy. He's a cop and let's let exactly. this go. Let it go. At, at your station, you know. Yes. And so we're going to let this, yeah, we're going to put hide this under the rug. Yes. So some of the things that were building for me in the home, which were, were really bad, and I, look, I think I need to put a warning on this because we go, I'm going to go into sexual abuse now, all right? Okay. Um, from where that had been a positive for me, that became a weapon for him, okay? So one of the things that I distinctly remember is we were in that situation. We were in in the bedroom and the intimacy was, was happening and all of a sudden stopped, bang, and he was angry as, and he got up and his words were something along the lines of, fuck you, you're not enjoying this, and off he went. No, no, I I didn't look like I was enjoying it. I didn't look it. My face, and and when you're in a position like that with somebody that you don't want to be doing that with, Mm. you know, you you know, that, that, how can you look like you're enjoying it? You you actually, you don't want to be there. But again, I'd got to the point where I was scared to say no, all right? I'd got to a point where things, other things had happened sexually that, had eventuated then into him getting angry and violent that I knew that I had to be really, really bloody careful, really careful. Yes. He had done something to me sexually that really hurt. I can say it. I don't know if you want me to, if you want to include it in your podcast, but he actually did something to me called fisting. I never wanted it. I never wanted it in the first place, but I was forced to do that. And it really, really bloody hurt. And it was awful. It was terrible. It was, and I couldn't stop him. I just couldn't stop him. And another time, in fact, there were a couple of times when I woke up and he was having sex with me. Okay. So he actually weaponized the one thing that I had seen as being a kind of positive in this relationship, if you can call it a relationship. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, look, Bill, I I hate to say this, but I think I'm going to have to go because I've got to go to work. No, that's fine. And look, there'll be other things. I, I really want to continue if you want to continue with me another time. We'll pick another time, sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sarah had to run, but we were able to reconnect days later. Be looking for part two of Sarah's story on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Thanks to my guests for offering their stories on the When Dating Hurts podcast. This is your platform where victims, survivors, and others who have experience with domestic violence can freely add what they have witnessed. 
Through these stories, although challenging to listen to, we underscore the prevalence and horrific behavior of abusers over their targets and victims. With knowledge comes enlightenment and empowerment. If you feel your story should be included on this podcast, please email me at billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. That's billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. Thank you.